Well, good morning, Glad Tidings. It's so good to be able to join you and bring the word. Uh, Pastor Paul was really hoping to be able to continue with his series that we've been in, uh, but unfortunately, he has fallen ill, and so I've stepped in last minute um, for that. Um, but next week, he will be on to continue with this series. If you didn't see last week, I strongly encourage you to go check that out on YouTube uh, and get caught up. But we'll have him back next week. He's a trooper. He really did want to come and preach anyway, but we had to kind of wrestle him and tell him that he had to stay home uh, and rest up. So he'll be back next week, and um, looking forward to that. So I, I am coming with a, a simple and short message today titled, A New Commandment. Our verse that we're going to focus on, or our main verse, I should say, for today, is John thirteen thirty four, And I'll read that in just a second, but this verse takes place during the what's known as the Upper Room Discourse. The Upper Room Discourse is when Jesus was meeting with his disciples on the night before he went to the cross. Now, during this time, there was... Uh, It was an intimate setting as he was there with his disciples. He taught them many things. He poured into them. He prayed for them. This is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet and where they have the Passover meal there together. In verse 34 of chapter 13, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, why is this a new commandment? After all, the people had been commanded to love in the Old Testament. This wasn't a new thing. In Leviticus 19.18, they're commanded to love your neighbor as yourself. But see, Jesus has this tendency to take things a little bit further, to go a little more radical in his teachings. And when he said this to his disciples, to love as he loved them, They only really actually understood this in part. Yes, they had experienced his love as they had been following him and watching his acts of love towards other people and themselves. As he watched Jesus, as they watched Jesus show compassion to the sick and to the hurting and to the broken. But they had yet to see his ultimate display of love that was to come the following day. The love of Calvary where the Son of God was to give up his life for a sinful and rebellious world, them included, the sacrificial love of laying his life down in death on a cross. And so what was once love your neighbor as yourself now becomes love your neighbor better than yourself. So much so that you would be willing to lay your life down for the people around you just as he did for you. In fact, just a little while later, while they were still in the upper room, he said to them, as is recorded in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And so let me ask you today, how are you laying your life down for your friends? How are you serving others? How are you putting the needs of others before your own? And I'm not talking in an unhealthy way where you're not taking care of yourself, but in a way that says, I'm willing to set aside my comforts to comfort someone else, or I'm willing to set aside my pride so that someone else can take the credit, or I'm willing to have less so that someone else can have more. And it's also interesting when Jesus spoke these words, 
only minutes prior to that, he had said to his disciples that one of them sitting around the table would betray him. It was then that Judas was revealed as the one who would betray him. And so G- Judas gets up from the table and he leaves. And then immediately Jesus turns around back to his disciples and gives this new commandment. Now the disciples didn't quite understand what was happening with Judas, but I'm sure as soon as Jesus began talking about loving one another, they would have been immediately reminded of the teaching that Jesus had given a long time before that, during the Sermon on the Mount, when he said this, when he said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, the radical love of Jesus that he proved to us on the cross and that he gives us every day is played out in our lives when we love our neighbors better than ourselves and when we love our enemies. In preparation for this sermon, I was reminded of Romans 12:15 that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. To simplify things, if we can do these two things, these two things, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, I believe that we can fulfill what it really means to love in this way that Jesus commanded us to, in the way of laying our lives down for our friends. Because sometimes we think, what does that even mean, to lay my life down for my friend? Well, if our heart's desire is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, then this pure form of love that Jesus is talking about is what will come out of us. See, in our culture, we are inundated with comparison. We compare ourselves with other people all the time. And this results in jealousy and pride that stems from a place of insecurity within us, which then leads to all kinds of other unloving things. And so what if we took the love of Jesus and we planted it so deep in our souls and then shared it out with others around us by celebrating them, by encouraging them, by rejoicing with them and uplifting them instead of comparing ourselves and secretly and subconsciously not wanting them to succeed. And if we were to be asked, of course, we would say that we want our friends to succeed. And we would mean that, of course. But there can also be this thing deep inside of us that can creep up that says, but I don't want them to succeed more than me. See, comparison digs such a sneaky, deep hole in our ability to walk in love. The root of comparison is fear and insecurity, but the antidote is love. First, love for ourselves, and second, love for others. If you've ever done the Alpha course before, you might remember this story that Nikki Gumbel shares about two men during the Holocaust. These two men uh, named Francis Gajewniczek and Maximilian Kobe. In the Auschwitz concentration camp, a prisoner had tried to escape. And as a result, the guards had decided that they were going to choose at random 10 men to die. And so the guards went and they began to pick these men. And, and one of the men 
was Francis Guy of Nietzsche. As soon as he heard that he was going to be one of these people, he broke down and he collapsed and, and he said, oh no, he said, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a family, what are they going to do? Now Maximilian Kolbe had heard this and so he actually stood up and made the request to the guards that they could take him instead of Francis. The guards actually accepted his offer. And so Maximilian Kobe died along with nine others, sparing the life of Francis Guy of Nietzsche. Francis would go on to share this amazing story of sacrificial love all over the world. And now this may be an extreme case, but if we were honest, I think we could say that if he was able to do that, and if Jesus was able to do the same thing, lay his life down, physically in death for us, then I think that we are able to set aside our pride or our desire to be right or our own comfort or agenda in order to lift up and encourage and show love to the people around us. And the second part of Romans 12.5 that says, weep with those who weep. What if we chose to not dismiss or ignore the hurt and pain in people's lives around us? What if we chose to instead feel the hurt and pain with them, weeping with them? Oftentimes when we see people in pain, we do one of two things. First thing is that we show no sympathy, and we move on because we're busy being wrapped up in our own stuff, and we ignore it. Or two, we try to fix it for them. And now sometimes this can come from a good place, and sometimes people do need our help and advice to, to fix things. But other times, this is actually just our pride. This is our pride wanting to come in and be the hero. And it's actually more about ourselves than it is about showing love to other people. There was a man named Ellie Weasel, and he had also suffered through the Holocaust. He had been a prisoner in a Jewish concentration camp, and about a decade after his tragic experience, he became a, a correspondent for a Jewish newspaper. One evening, he was scheduled to interview a, a Christian man named Francois Mauriac. Mauriac was a distinguished French author, and, and so Weasel goes to his apartment and he goes there to interview him. They sit down. They begin to talk, but Moriak continuously tries to bring the conversation around to Jesus. Weasel grows consistently more irritated. After all, you could imagine the baggage that this young Jewish man had towards Christianity in a time where Christian anti-Semitism was so prevalent. But Moriak is completely oblivious, and he continues to keep hammering away about Jesus. And now we know, of course, it is an amazing thing to be able to share about Jesus. And we are called to do that. But we are called to do that with God's love and compassion and understanding for the person that we're speaking with, not from a place of our own agenda that we're trying to push forward. So finally, Weasel has had enough. And he stands up and he, he says this back to Moriak before he storms out. 
He says, Sir, you speak of Christ. Christians love to speak of him. The passion of Christ, the agony of Christ, the death of Christ. In your religion, that is all you speak of. Well, I want you to know that 10 years ago, not very far from here, I knew Jewish children, every one of whom suffered a thousand times more, six million times more than Christ on the cross, and we don't speak about them. Can you understand that, sir? We don't speak about them. And at that, he storms out of Moriak's apartment. Moriak is left just sitting there, completely stunned at what had just happened. Weasel is out in the, the uh, hallway waiting for the elevator um, when Moriak comes out of his apartment. He walks over to Weasel and puts his hand on his shoulder and asks him to come back inside. The two men sit down facing one another, and Moriak begins to weep. He looks at Weasel and says nothing, but just sits there and cries. Finally, he regains his composure, and he urges Weasel to talk. He wants to hear about his pain, about the suffering he went through. He wants to hear about all of it. But Weasel tells him, that he has made a vow of silence to never talk about it because the pain is just too unbearable. But Moriak, in full love and compassion, encourages him to open up and to share, to address his pain. And so for the very first time, Weasel begins to tell of his story, the tragedy, the death, the devastation. And it was this act of love by Francois Moriak to just simply sit with him and weep with him and feel his pain that Weasel decided to actually write a book about his experience. This book would go on to win a Pulitzer Prize and Weasel would end up being awarded the Congressional Medal of Achievement as well as a Nobel Peace Prize. The name of the book was called Night. Many of you listening to this have probably read it. This act of compassion on this night would change the course of history in many ways. And Weasel even credited Moriak by saying that he owed him his career. And this friendship between these two men would continue on until Moriak's death in 1970. What an example of the genuine love of Christ. A genuine example of a man who decided to set aside his own agenda and simply weep with those who weep. See, it's this genuine love, this genuine sacrificial love that says, I'm going to lay aside my own agenda in order to serve and comfort others. It's this love that will speak volumes to our world. John 13, 5 says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And it's funny that as I was preparing this message just earlier today, sitting in my office at my desk, I received a text message from a good friend of mine. And I looked at it, and he asked me if I could give him a call. And now I knew that he wasn't just asking me to call him to have a, a quick catch-up or a small chit-chat. I knew that he was calling for a purpose, that he was going through something that he wanted to talk about. I knew that it was serious. And my first instinct when I read that message, and I was about to do it, I was going to text him back and say, 
I'm just in the middle of my, my sermon that I got to get ready to, to preach tonight, and so maybe we can talk later. And as I was thinking that thought, I was instantly convicted because I realized what I was about to do completely contradicted the exact message that I was trying to preach. It happened that easy. I was so focused on what I needed to accomplish that I almost neglected this new commandment by putting off calling my friend. I did call him, and we had a great conversation, and lo and behold, I was still able to finish my sermon. Now, this may be a very simple message today about loving one another, but as believers, we need to constantly keep ourselves in check. My story about my friend is a prime example My heart is to be loving, but the reality is that sometimes my autopilot busyness gets in the way. So I want to encourage you to be intentional this week, not just in the big things, but in the small interactions that you have with the people around you. And I want to encourage you to keep yourself in check. Ask God to reveal blind spots that you may have in this area of loving people sacrificially. Clearly, I had a blind spot that needed to be checked. It's not that my heart was to be unloving to my friend. Sometimes we just need to be aware and intentional. So in closing, let's go back to the cross. Not long after Jesus had given this new commandment to his disciples, He was handed over to the authorities. He allowed himself to be beaten, to be mocked. They stripped him down. They pressed a crown of thorns onto his skull. They made him pick up and drag his heavy wooden cross up the hill. They then nailed him to this cross and they put it in place for him to hang there. And as he hung there, My sins, your sins, and the sins of this world were placed onto his shoulders for him to bear on our behalf. And yet as he hung there, he thought about you, he thought about me, and he said, this is how much I love you. Now take this love and go and share it with a broken world. Let's pray. God, today we thank you for the simple message of love. This love that is so great that you would willingly lay your life down. Not only that, but that you would actually step down from heaven into this world to do so. And God, if you are willing to do that, I pray that we would receive that love and we would send it out in all areas of our lives. And God, our intentions are not to be unloving, but sometimes we are just unaware. Sometimes we are just so busy and distracted. And so I pray for each one of us today that we would stop and we would humble ourselves, that we would rejoice with those who rejoice, genuinely uplifting one another and that we would weep with those who weep, coming alongside those who are hurting, just to be with them, without an agenda, just to pour love upon them. 
we thank you that you set the example for us. And we choose to follow you today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at GT Moncton or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.